0: Hello you lovely lovely people and welcome to what I believe is going to be the 13th episode of the BJJ Strength Podcast, Lucky 13. Apologies I didn't get you an episode last week, I've been really really busy, crazy busy, launching the lower back pain program or the BJJ Strength Lower Back Pain Solution that's actually now available for purchase on the site on bjjstrength.com. There's also a free ebook on there talking about the six main causes and solutions of lower back pain because I know it's such a big problem for jiu jitsu athletes. Um, and, the, and the people that have been going through the program so far have been having fantastic results, not only in terms of their lower back, but the overall performance of how they move and how they feel on the mat, which is not surprising really when you look at some of the key areas that you need to strengthen if you've got lower back pain problems, Um, you know, just to name two areas, you know, the core, the glutes, that's going to translate a lot into your physical performance. So I'm really excited to get that program up and running. And up until, I believe it's going to be November 12th, there is a pre-launch Discount of 20%. The, the program will be available, I believe, on November 13th. Um, but you can pre purchase it now with a 20% discount. And that, that will, you know, you'll never get that price again. So at the very least, guys, head over to, to bjjstrends.com um, and take a look at the free ebook that's on there the Low Back Pain um, ebook that I've put up there. But what am I going to talk about today? I wanted to talk about intermittent fasting. I've been doing even though I've made some changes to it. I've been doing intermittent fasting for probably about 18 months now. And you know, I'm not I'm definitely not first uh one of the first people to do intermittent fasting intermittent fasting. I'm, I'm very late to the game, I think. It's been around for quite some time. The first time I came across it probably was Actually, you know, a fellow guest of the show, uh, Jack Edwards. Hi, Jack. He introduced me or first told me about intermittent fasting when um, you know, we were training back together back in London. So it must have been a good five or six years ago. And I think it's been around a lot longer than that as well. But I, I see it more and more becoming a mainstream thing and a lot more common and a lot more popular in the jiu-jitsu world. Uh, I've even seen some, you know, DVDs that have been sold—a twelve, twelve-week intermittent, intermittent fasting program and body weight conditioning—that promises to give you all these results. So it seems, you know, very, very popular. So I wanted to do some of the research myself, but also talk to you guys about intermittent fasting. Talk to you, you know, what what does the general research tell us about intermittent fasting and the benefits? What does the research tell us on athletes that train in a fasted state uh, and people that do resistance training in, in a fasted state? And then I'll also talk about, you know, my personal experience. Um, and I'll refer to the experience of one or two friends as well um, that, you know, that also train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And, you know, this is intermittent fasting is, it's a, not, 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 not that it's a big subject, but more that it's maybe not as researched as you would think it was when you see how much people talk about how how great it is as a, as a form as a form of eating, and that was interesting looking looking through the findings. Um, so even if I did uh, you know read every single study out there, which I haven't got time to do. Um, it's still kind of inconclusive um, in some respects, but there's some, there are some really interesting findings in there, and I want to talk about those today. Um, you know, particularly some of the things around hormone production, which is a big benefit that people talk about in terms of intermittent fasting. Um, so, you really want to listen to one of the studies that I'll, that I'll cover towards the end of this show that talks you know what's really going on there and what results you can see from intermittent fasting mixed with resistance training i think that tends to be a big uh, you know trigger point when it comes to this form of eden but anyway i'm I, I'll, let, let's save that let's save that for the meat of the show but with uh, and i'm with that we'll get into it you're listening to the bjj strength podcast helping you be your best physically On the mats and off the mats. The BJJ Street Podcast. With your host, BJJ Black Belt. And physical optimization specialist, Lawrence Griffiths. So, intermittent fasting. What what do we mean by intermittent fasting? Let's start off with with the definition. Intermittent fasting has various different protocols. Some of them would be, you know, five days on, two days off. Uh, you know, five days of normal eating, then two days of very restricted eating. Then you have, you know, restricted time window eating, where let's say you eat within a twelve-hour window, and then you don't eat within a twelve, then you don't eat for the other twelve hours, which. Actually, I think, isn't is that just normal eating? You know, you eat breakfast at 8 in the morning, let's say. You have lunch and then dinner at 8 in the evening, that's <laughs> to normal eating to me. Um, but probably the most common one would be 8 hours of eating and then 16 hours of not eating. That's a very, very common approach. And that's the approach I've been taking over the last 18 months. Uh, typically, it's from 12 p.m. Or, or midday through to 8 p.m. in the evening. And that's when, you know, when you can eat and there, there are often you know not specific foods and uh, diets that you need to follow during that hour window i think the way that intermittent fasting is it's pushed tends to be you, know, you can pretty much eat what you want um in that wi- in that window but for the rest of the time you've 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 got a fast so that that's what intermittent fasting is and i'm sure i'm sure you know that already right it's you know it's it's pretty mainstream um, intermittent fasting but i wanted to get that get that in there just in case so looking through looking through the research that i um not the research that i did but the research that i looked at in preparation for this this podcast i looked at three different um meta analyses so if you if you don't know i'm sure you do know but just in case you don't the meta analysis is a review of A multitude of different studies to try and come up with you know what's the trend and pattern in a particular subject so i looked at three different meta-analyses um one of them looked at 16 studies another one another looked at another six studies and another looked at another six studies you know they may not be all you know mutually exclusive studies but you know three meta-analyses were performed so um there's quite a lot of you know research and evidence in that respect and the long and the short of it is that Intermittent fasting. When you look at these results, doesn't have a a, a greater difference. Um, when I say I, when I say a greater difference, I mean in terms of statistical significance, right? Are the result are the results statistically significant? And what I mean by that is, any differences are they, you know, by chance, um, just by pure coincidence, or does it show a true trend? Um, and that's I won't bore you with the ins and outs of all of that, but the the point I'm slowly trying to make here is that if you look at intermittent fasting in its various forms and then you look at normal calorie restriction just through normal dieting, there doesn't tend to be a significant difference in the amount of weight lost. So I'll, I'll say that again. These studies, when you look at a normal just calorie restriction diet where you just restrict the calories but eat throughout the day or you look at intermittent fasting where... You re- you reduce that eating window. These studies show that there's not a significant difference in the amount of weight lost. So that's the first point that I want to make. If you're looking at just losing weight, then you know intermittent fasting and just norm- just reducing how much you eat in general doesn't seem to have much of a difference. Um, you know, I think there can be a misconception that intermittent fasting is this amazing silver bullet that is better than any other diet that really really works so what's you know what's going on there and you know maybe intermittent fasting is just reducing the amount of calories that we eat in that window you know if you're going to eat over an eight hour period and I, I know I found this in my personal experience is that you know it can be hard in an eight hour window to get in the same amount of calories that you would in Twelve to fourteen hours of eating, you you know you you're still hungry, and I personally have had to you know force myself to eat larger portions in that eight-hour eight window to get enough calories in, right, and to maintain maintain my body mass. So, um, intermittent fasting and normal you know calorie restriction doesn't tend to differ in terms of its effectiveness for weight loss. But intermittent fasting is definitely, when you look at this research, an effective method of of weight loss and i think the average weight loss and you know these different trials varied some of them for three months some of them for a year i think the average weight loss was you know around four four kilos or what's that eight or nine pounds it's, it's, a, it's a significant loss um but i suppose it, you know it then comes down to what's the best method for you in terms of you know calorie restriction is it isn't going to be intermittent fasting or is it going to be a normal diet but the other thing that uh, was quite interesting when you look at when you look at these uh, studies, well, there's not this not not the the meta-analysis analyses that I was looking at, because um, I could only find one study. Uh, related to this, I'm not saying it's the only study, but it was one study from 1988. But there seems to be a lot. If you if you type in intermittent fasting and hormone production, you're going to see videos popping up saying how to boost growth hormone by 1,200 to 2,000 um, percent. And there's a couple of different videos and articles that are going to pop up with these these massive these massive claims. And Maybe my search wasn't deep enough, and I'll keep looking, but I could only find one study that was done in 1988 that shows in a fasted state, and this study in particular, I think it was over a five-day fasted state, and they measured the growth hormone in, in the participants you know, just before, at the start of the five-day fast and the end of the five-day fast. And there was a significant increase in growth hormone production in the body across, the, you know, there's the, the different measures in terms of the amount, how much is released, not how frequently it's released, I think. Um, but the participants, they, they did find an increase in growth hormone. So that is there, but I can only find that one study. So I think people talk about, you know, growth hormone you, you know, being, in, growth hormone increases being a huge a huge benefit of intermittent fasting but there's not a the massive amount of conclusive research on its impacts doesn't that you know doesn't mean that it's not there right doesn't mean that it's not an impact um, and i'll talk about my personal experience later on but you know the way some people talk about it you would think that there's reams and reams of research behind this so that was one thing in terms of uh, the growth hormone but you know wait you know wait till the uh, I talk about the last study in this show around, um, not growth hormone, but, you know, testosterone. Oh, sorry, it actually will be growth hormone. Growth hormone and testosterone, there's some interesting findings there from a study more related to resistance training, but I'll I'll get into that later on. And the other thing that, you know, when we look at intermittent fasting, there's a lot of talk about, you know, health benefits, um, you know, Uh, impacts on you know general health you know diabetes cancer etc but when it comes down to it a lot of these a lot of these studies when I say a lot there's actually not that many studies at all and the ones that there are um, there was one related to cancer that showed some impacts positive benefits of, of fasting when people were receiving chemotherapy but it was a sample of six people um so there's not a huge amount of research in there and other research is looking at rat studies which are you know not to say that they're not worthwhile in terms of the in terms of the data but again when you see all of these big claims and these marketing claims of what something can do for you when you actually look at the research there's not there's not a huge amount linked to intermittent fasting or fasting in general and some of, and some of the health some of the health benefits um and you know, one of the conclusions of the the meta analyses uh, that I was looking at was that you know, not not many long term studies have been done on intermittent fasting. Some of them are, you know, say three month periods. Some of them are twelve month periods. But what happens if you do intermittent fasting for two years, for three years, for five years, for ten years? that's you know that's unclear and that's hard that kind of stuff is hard to look at regardless of what the subject is you know those real long longitudinal studies and not only are they hard to conduct do they take a lot of money to conduct are they long to conduct you've got to have people stick into those diets for all that period of time as well so it, it it's it's a tough one um so in terms of the general research then just to, to, to wrap this you know first section up is that yes intermittent fasting does seem to be a good method for weight loss but it doesn't seem to be any better than a normal calorie restricted diet so you know the mechanics of exactly what's going on in terms of the fat loss for intermittent fasting is it you know, is our our body and I'm using inverted commas going into fat burning mode as people often claim you know when you when you starve yourself and you don't eat is, there, is, the, is the body then tapping into the fat sources or are you simply just eating less would you get the same benefits from a calorie restricted diet or is it a combination is it a combination of both so you know I would leave you in this first section with the takeaway that you know yes intermittent fasting can work but also can just restrict in how much you eat on a day-to-day basis? Um, and it doesn't tend to be a significant difference but I like to look at the research in terms of you know the general population but you listening to this podcast right now you're not you're a jiu-jitsu athlete so we need to take that a little bit further and we need to look at okay what happens when you start looking at the research of intermittent fasting and athletes and I'm going to reference uh, two studies here the first is a study uh, on the impact of, of ramadan on some judo athletes and if you don't know ramadan is Ramadan. sorry apologies uh, for mispronouncing that is a uh, a muslim religious practice where i don't know all the details um but i believe if i'm correct here fasting from sunrise to sunset during the the month of ramadan and there's no food and i believe no no water or no kind of drinks uh, in in that time from sunrise to sunset so you know it's a very big period of, of of fasting so there was a study done looking at judo athletes and how they performed during uh during ramadan and there's also another study that's the really interesting one i want to talk about but save that to the end in terms of you know the resistance training and the impacts on muscle mass and strength and hormone production so first of all, if we look at the first one, the impacts of Ramadan on judo athletes, and this study took a, took a group of uh, judokas. A study was done in, in 2009, and they looked at you know, physical performance tests, doing the squat jump, doing the counter-movement jump, 30-second uh, repeated jump, 30-metre sprint, and a multi-stage fitness test. And they were measured on all of those, and fatigue scores were measured. And it was um, 15, 15 judo athletes. And these measures were done on four occasions. They were done before Ramadan. Um, they were done at the beginning of Ramadan. And uh, apologies, I definitely mispronounced Ramadan. It's Ramadan, um, if, at least if it's spelled correctly in this study. Um, so apologies to anyone who's offended. Um, I'm just going to blame the Welsh accent, but they measured performance before, um, they measured at the end, and they also measured three weeks after Ramadan. Um, and the results, when we look at the results, you know, what happened, these people are, uh, uh, you know, doing doing judo training for a month while, you know, each day being in this fasted state of no food and I believe no water. Um, and then, you know, test, testing them and testing their impacts in terms of, you know, physical performance, in terms of their uh, you know, power output and their fatigue, etc. And what what do the results show? So the results showed that um, the thirty meter sprint performance, the multi stage shuttle run, the squat jump, the counter movement jump didn't didn't change. So they are very short, sharp exercises. So we're looking at anaerobic capacity. We're looking at you know, you know, power power production, and you know, in a fasted state, that bef- that. didn't seem to have an impact when we look at these results but when you look at um, uh, some of the other tests like the 30 second repeated jump you're getting more that's more of an aerobic capacity right in terms of what you're um, in terms of the exercise you're trying to perform repeating something for 30 seconds there was yeah the results were slightly lower in terms of the performance at the end of Ramadan compared to the beginning of Ramadan and then the other measure they looked at was there was a minor reduction in body mass, and the overall fatigue scores actually um, increased uh, during during the test and throughout Ramadan. So what it um, what this tells us is there's the only diff- the only impact the study found was you know for the thirty meter jump test uh, thirty seconds sorry. Thirty-second jump test, and also for the fatigue scores, uh, did did increase. But in terms of the power output for the more short, sharp-type tests, then there you know was no 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 difference. So it's a bit of a mixed. It's a bit of a mixed study, um, and it's not you know an exact comparison in intermittent fasting. But I think it's a good you know good piece of research to look at. That for most in most cases, for most tests in this situation people who were able to maintain their physical performance. Um, it was only for a four week period because that's how long um, Ramadan is. Um, so, you know, intermittent fasting, you know, what would happen after eight weeks? What would happen to 12 weeks? What would happen after a year if the body adjusts and adapts to that? So, yeah, you know, there wasn't an improvement in performance, definitely in them, but the, the, the decrease in performance was marginal. So, then you've got to try to think of okay if I do intermittent fasting I'm a jiu-jitsu athlete and I'm training all the time what does that mean for me you can probably get away with intermittent fasting and have you know very little impact on your physical performance Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll go you know I'll talk a bit more of that towards the end in terms of personal experience and how you can think about whether intermittent fasting is for you or not so that was the first the first study in relation to, you know, fasting on sports performance in athletes. Now the next thing that I want to look at, and it's it's the last study I'll reference um, in in this show, uh, a, a, an article published in the uh, Journal of Tran- Translational Medicine, and this was very interesting. I won't link all of the studies in the show notes, but I will link this one because if you're interested, I think there's. There's a lot of stuff in there, a lot more than I can, you know, bring out in this show without really boring you to tears. But I'll I'll call out some of the 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 main findings, and if you want to, you know, really dive into it, you you, you'll have that at your disposal because it was really interesting. So this was done, and let me just double check the date. I believe it was this study was published in 2016. Yeah, 2016. So fairly recent, fairly recent, and they took um, took a group of 34 subjects and split them into two groups i believe i believe these were men i'm not going to go look at the details i believe i believe they were males and split into two groups of of 17 and they split the groups into one intermittent fasting group and then one normal eating group the intermittent fasting group ha- were allowed to eat between uh, 12 p.m. and Oh, sorry. I believe uh, it says says you're one p.m. and 8, one one p.m. and eight p.m. is when they had them, the first and last meal, and another meal at four p.m. So it's a uh... I suppose if you start eating at 8 o'clock, then you know you not you don't finish eating at 8 o'clock, so it's roughly an eight-hour window where people were where they were allowed to eat in the intermittent fasting group. So you know, roughly that midday period to around about 8 p.m. in the evening, which is a very common protocol. And then the other group had three meals per day, which was an 8 a.m. meal, a 1 pm meal, and an 8 p.m. meal. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner at the more traditional times. And both, both groups were you know very controlled in terms of the amount of calories they ate and the amount of protein um, that they, they, they ate and their food diaries were measured seven days a week to, to, to monitor that and they were put onto this protocol for eight weeks in total and over those eight weeks they did resistance t- uh, resistance training three times per week and unless I've misinterpreted the you know the, the right up here uh, the resistance training was done between 4 pm. And 6 p.m. So this is not not critical, I suppose, when we start looking at the looking at the results, but not having trained in a fasted state, I think, is interesting. I would have liked to have seen this study when people did the resistance training in a fasted state, because a lot of the conversation I hear is doing the doing the resistance training in a fasted state is when you get some of the big, yeah, you know, big boosts in hormone production. But anyway, just I mean I want to point that out that both groups trained between 4 pm and 6 pm and they were both in a fed state. And as I said, you know, both groups had, you know, very closely matched calorie intake and protein intake. So what were the key findings? Um there's a lot of a lot of data in this in this study. So definitely if you if you're interested, take a look at the link in the show notes um and go read it for yourself. But I'll just talk about you know three of the, the key things that went on here. The first one was that in the intermittent fasting group, they lost significantly more fat mass than the normal eating group. On average, the intermittent fasting group lost about one and a half kilos of fat mass. That's a little over three pounds, over eight weeks. And then the the, the non-diet group lost 0.3 kilos. Um, so not even one pound in terms of fat mass. And that was a significant difference, right? So when we look at the statistical significance of the results, there was a difference, right, between the intermittent fasting and the non-dying group. So that's, that's important and that's very interesting. Um, but it's even more interesting when you look at the next the next set of results. So they also measured the arm muscle mass, thigh muscle mass. Then they measured the bench press. And they measured the leg press. And in, in both groups, they all saw an increase in arm muscle mass, thigh muscle mass. They saw, saw you know, muscle mass in both groups um, increased. At least I believe they increased. Let me just double check that. Um, but the most important point is there was no difference in the arm muscle mass between two groups. Let's take a look. Yeah. Yeah, both increased. Both groups increased arm muscle, and they increased leg muscle mass. Um, but there wasn't a difference between the two groups. The you know the fasting group didn't gain more muscle mass when compared to the the non-fasting group. So I kind of interpret these findings in in two ways. The first one would be that you know having a no, they not. They didn't restrict calories in this sense. Not eating for 16 hours didn't mean that, okay, they lost fat, but they also lost a lot of muscle mass compared to the non-diet group. And I think that's an interesting one because at least when I was growing up and first getting into strength training, the kind of mentality was, you know, you've got to eat all of the time. You've got to eat protein all of the time. Otherwise you're going to waste away. And I think when I was... You know, most focused on building muscle mass when I was playing rugby. I used to eat seven or eight times a day. You know, eating every kind of two and a half, three and out, hour, three hours. And if I didn't, I'd start getting stressed out, and I'd start freaking out that I'm going to waste away. I'm going to lose all my muscle. I'm going to lose all my my strength, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But when we look, at least at this study, that doesn't seem to be the case. You know, people are eating, doing eight hours. They're getting in, you know, a good amount of protein, a good amount of calories, but for the other sixteen hours, they're not eating, and they're actually increasing their muscle mass. They're not wasting away, um, so that's an interesting thing. The other, the other thing to uh, you know, I, I would look at in terms of the, the muscle mass would be that um, you know the hormone, the hormone production, kind of argument and debate around intermittent fasting. You know, you would. Look, I'm kind of I'm really extrapolating here, but hormone production is is a big factor in you know in, in muscle in muscle growth. Growth hormone plays a big role in you know in in building muscle. So you know there wasn't a, there wasn't a greater increase in muscle mass in the fasting group versus the diet group. So it kind of starts to suggest that you know is that hormonal impact that we think is there is it actually there with intermittent fasting versus normal eating? And you can say the same things for the increase in in bench press. Um, strength and, and, and leg strength as well. That you would maybe think that okay, you know, are you gonna you know perform better and therefore gain more strength when you get this boost of hormones that we're supposed to get with intermittent fasting? Um, you know, it doesn't doesn't really seem to be the case. But you know, what's more important, I think, is that if we uh, you know again thinking about the the study with the judokas, um, okay. they there was some you know there's some performance um you know and detriment from the fasting but you know for a lot of the a lot of the cases didn't seem to have an impact and we can see this here with a more controlled intermittent fasting versus normal eating group that both groups increased their bench press strength and both groups increased their the leg strength and there was no difference between two groups one group didn't get significantly stronger than the other over this eight week period so it doesn't seem to be a benefit to intermittent fasting in terms of strength training but um, if you want to use it as a method for you know losing weight over the long term and you know if you train jujitsu jujitsu is a weight class sport then there doesn't seem to be a detriment you know it's in terms of at least developing developing strength and it's a different kind of training to jujitsu but an interesting one nonetheless so that was that was interesting uh, I keep repeating the word interesting. Um, there's a, there's like what's what's that film? Is it Captain Fantastic with Viggo Mortensen, and he takes his kids around America in a converted school bus? And ever since watching that film, there uh, one of the one of the girls on the bus, or one of the one of the one of the guy's daughters says. Uh, interesting is, is is a banned word on this bus. So every time I go to use the word interesting, it makes me think of that and I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I should be using another word to describe what I'm talking about. But anyway, the next finding that I found fascinating, there you go, that's a different word, that was fascinating, was looking at the insulin-like growth factor, or IGF-1, and testosterone in the fasting group um, compared to the... The non-fasting group over the eight-week period, and what was interesting, and this is kind of converse to what a lot of uh, a lot of people think with with fasting is that testosterone and IGF-1 decreased in the fasting group, but didn't decrease in the non-fasting group, and it was also um, significantly different. So, this study suggests that fasting. And resistance training over an eight-week period or intermittent fasting and resistance training over an eight-week period actually decreased the levels of testosterone and IGF-1. So that was kind of counterintuitive, at least to me. Um, When you look at the paper, they, they talk about, you know, suggest some ideas of what's going on there. And it's, you know, there's no real kind of clear mechanism to say why this may be happening, but there wasn't a decrease in muscle mass. Um... So there wasn't, there wasn't a decrease in strength. So you know maybe the the, the, the decrease in testosterone and IGF one doesn't really, at least on these two factors. Right, there's a lot of a lot of um, things going on, um, you know, physiologically with with hormones. But at least for those two factors, didn't seem to have an impact. So I don't know on that one. I don't really know what that means. I don't think the the, the people writing the paper know exactly what that means. But it's something to definitely put out there. Um, and something to consider. Maybe, and this is just a theory, that some of the benefits from the growth hormone production um, are you know, acute benefits. So you get them just after the training. Somehow that has a benefit in terms of the, the recovery and performance. I don't know. Because this study didn't measure um, testosterone and IGF-1 in that way. They, they weren't training in a fasted state. So it would be interesting to see that kind of research in the future but definitely definitely counterintuitive so to wrap up this section in terms of intermittent fasting and athletes because you're a jiu-jitsu athlete what does it mean there are you know looking at these two studies um because there's not a whole massive amount of research but looking at these two studies the impacts on judo athletes showed that were some impacts some marginal impacts um On training during Ramadan and performance but on the whole didn't really seem to have an impact in terms of fasting and athletic performance then the the other one which is very interesting is this resistance training group where by the looks of this you're going if we we take this to be true and we could apply this for you know other people if you resistance train and intermittent fast versus resistance train and eating normally but keep the kind of you know calorie and protein intake the same you're going to you're gonna gain muscle just as you would in the normal um group you're gonna you're gonna increase strength just as you would in the normal eating group. There's not a difference between the two, but the most interesting one is that you know you're gonna lose more fat mass, at least according to this study. And I think that's what a lot of people would be very happy with, right? To you know build a little bit of muscle, increase strength, but drop fat. Um but you know there is that call out of some of the mechanics with testosterone and IGF-1 production seem to drop in the intermittent fasting group and you know there's not enough research to suggest if that's a bad thing if it's a good thing, uh, and what's really going on but definitely worth calling out. So that wraps up that section and now I want to talk a little bit about my personal experience. And as I say on all of these shows, I don't talk about my personal experience because I think it's a gold standard but it's a data point of one and you can't really draw too many conclusions on that but it you know it adds a little bit of context to what's going on and gives you a little bit of flavor for someone who else is who's training jujitsu four or five times a week and doing all strength and conditioning etc etc and what intermittent fasting did for me so I started intermittent fasting as I said about 18 months ago maybe maybe a little bit a little bit longer and the the I call it a protocol um yeah let's call it a protocol the protocol that i followed is i would fast between 8 p.m. at night until 12 the next day for 6 days a week i would then um eat breakfast one day a week with my family on the weekends because i don't want to be that guy that never sits and has breakfast with their wife and kids. But anyway, that's, that's what I would do. And then I would also, I, you know, my breakfast, I say I didn't eat breakfast. My breakfast was, you know, coffee with a tablespoon of butter, a tablespoon of coconut all, and then sometimes some raw cacao and some uh, some maca powder. And that was my breakfast. I was getting calories. So maybe it's not true intermittent fasting. Um, but other than that, you know, not really eating, eating a big meal. And then my typical day would be, some kind of strength and conditioning, 6 a.m. in the morning on Monday to Friday. And you know mostly that's um, like a 20 to 30 minute session. Sometimes it'd be intense strength and conditioning, like heavy kettlebells, heavy pull-ups, um, working on the gymnastic ring. rings are very strength-based. Um, that's two, sometimes three days a week. And then on other days, it would be more light movement, mobility, flow stuff, breathing exercises. Then I'd have my coffee after that little bit of training, then I'd go to BJJ, normally about 10 o'clock in the morning, it's an hour and a half class, usually with at least 30 minutes of sparring, and and then sometimes I'd also cycle three miles to training and cycle back. So, you know, on some days I could have done strength and conditioning in the morning, had my coffee, cycle three miles to jujitsu, jiu-jitsu, done jiu-jitsu, and cycle three miles back, um... Before I have my first my first meal of the day, so that's that, that's what I did, and I found the intermittent fasting hard at first, the first kind of week or two. I remember going to <laughs> going to the very first Jitsu session and being oh I feel like I'm gonna I feel like I may potentially pass pass out here, um, but that lasted for about two or three days, and my body kind of adapted. And after that, I felt a lot a lot a lot had a lot more mental sharpness a lot more mental clarity when I was training. Um and mental clarity seems to be one of the big things that big benefits that came up for me for intermittent fasting. And I think I've seen that with you know I've not recommended intermittent fasting yet to many clients. Um it's still I think early in terms of, you know, how it's how it's gonna play out with results and research, etc. But when speaking to other people that have been doing it, I've got, you know, two friends, two other friends, will we do intermittent fasting and also train to um and follow a very similar protocol. One of the big things that they found is that mental clarity and I don't know the mechanics of what's going on there, but probably, you know, when you eat, you have a big meal and suddenly you get, you know, a spike of insulin and your body's digesting all this food, all the, all the energy goes to the digestive system. You want to sit down and take a nap and kind of curl up in the corner. Um, but I found that when I wasn't eating breakfast, I had a lot more mental clarity during during the morning. So that was you know a big thing, a big thing for me, def- definitely. And over time, and it had this happened fairly easily. I didn't I never felt with intermittent fasting. You have the odd morning where you're like, oh I feel like I need to eat something. But mostly it felt fine. It felt pretty easy after the first two weeks. You know, there's an adjustment period, but after the first two weeks I kind of I really enjoyed it. And over the period of, you know, 12 to 18 months, I dropped about 10 to 15 pounds. I think mostly body fat, I'll be honest. I, you know, I measure some stuff quite religiously, others I don't, I didn't measure my body fat at the start and muscle mass, I wish I had, but I didn't. Mostly, I think it was um, body fat, but I think I did lose a little bit of muscle mass over that over that period, but I didn't, I never, never saw a detriment to my performance. I never saw um, a decrease in strength. In fact, I saw increases in strength. Personally, um, you know, even though I do a lot of body weight stuff, I do do a lot of kettlebell stuff as well. So, you know, my ability to move, um, shift, shift the kettlebells increased, um, absolutely increased over the last twelve to eighteen months. So, I didn't really see a detriment to my strength training, and didn't really see a detriment to my my jujitsu, and I've. Like I said, I do a lot of I do a lot of sparring, and particularly on Fridays. Fridays will be an hour and a half of rolling, just back to back, an hour and a half of six-minute rounds. And I've adjusted my routine slightly, but you know, probably say seventy-five percent over the last twelve months. I do a strengthening conditioning session, a heavier strengthening conditioning session on a Friday, and then go in at ten on on Friday morning at six, and then go in and do a ten a.m jiu-jitsu class and that's an hour and a half of sparring and never you know never once have I felt shit I wish I'd eaten food otherwise I'm burnt I'm burned out so that's you know my personal experience but I've changed it very recently I changed it I found that it was not so much the strength session in the morning not so much jiu Jitsu class at 10 a.m but I was finding that on the days where I was doing strength and conditioning and then doing jiu-jitsu and but not eating anything over time I felt like my recovery in the afternoon wasn't as good. I was starting to feel a little bit more sore and a little bit more stiff than than I normally would. So what I've added in recently and this was after listening to George Lockhart on the Joe Rogan podcast. An incredibly knowledgeable uh, guy, and I would look for that podcast if you haven't listened to it already. It's uh, George Lockhart. It's the same one where um oh, John is it John Kavanagh, Connor McGregor's coach, he's on there as well, but it's mostly George Lockhart speaking about nutrition because uh, he works a lot with the MMA athletes, and he was talking about you know the intake of um fructose, um, I believe dectro dectro. Dectro, dectrose, um, my pronunciation is terrible today, guys, sorry, I'm out of practice after missing last week, but fructose, dectrose, uh, salt, and caffeine immediately after training, and the combination of those has, you know, an incredible effect in terms of the, the replenishing, replenishing glycogen stores in the muscles, so I tried that one Friday after training, after my you know 10 a.m. class, so about, about about 12 p.m., I had an apple, I had a banana, I had a big tablespoonful of honey, and I had a, some green tea and water with quite a bit of Himalayan salt in there. And I felt great. It felt like my, my recovery really kind of kicked into overgear almost, overdrive rather than overgear. Um, So I've, I decided to change my eating on the days that I do heavy strength and conditioning, which at the moment is two days a week in the morning, occasionally three days. So what I've decided to do on those days is uh, increase, not increase, take on like a banana, an apple, tablespoon of honey, a small tin of sardines, and then I'll have my, uh, you know, my coffee or butter and stuff immediately after my strength and conditioning, which is first thing in the morning, then I go in and, you know, do some work. And I don't do it on the days that I'm doing light. Strength and conditioning in the morning, just you know, movement, flow, mobility type work. Um, do you know what? I've been doing it for about three or four weeks, maybe a little longer. And yeah, it's hard to tell how much of an impact it's it's going to have. But I I feel like at least at the beginning, it's it's improved my recovery. I feel I do feel a little bit sharper on the mats. I'm going to say, um, and a, a little bit less sore the next day. I think my weight is, you know, pretty much the same. Maybe I, put, I think maybe a pound or two of uh, of mass, but it doesn't feel like that's that's fat mass. We'll we'll we'll, we'll see over time. Well, I'll keep I'll keep measuring, keep looking at the scales. But the, the whole the whole thing I'm I'm trying to lead into here, um, rather than just ramble on about my personal experience because I think it, my personal experience is less important than how you consider intermittent fasting and fitting it into your training routine and whether. You know, it's right for you, and the kind of questions you need to be asking yourself. I think what the first thing is going to be, you know, when do you do your strength and conditioning work? Are you you know lifting weights or doing resistance training first thing in the morning, or you doing it in the evening? I I enjoy training in a fasted state, as we looked at the research earlier. There's you know there's discussion that I hear a lot of discussion about the benefits of training in a fasted state but you know there's no there's no kind of you know knockout research to say that you know you get all these benefits but I enjoy doing it it seems to it seems to work for me but you you probably want to consider if you're doing a lot of heavy lifting first thing in the morning and then you're going to go and not and not eat for another kind of 5 or 6 hours and not have your first meal um you know what's that going to do in terms of the recovery are you giving your body enough nutrition at the right time to really replenish those glycogen stores um and and refill the body and recover so it's one of the things to consider if you do your strength and conditioning say at lunchtime at work you don't eat all morning and then you have your lunch straight after maybe that's okay but you know maybe going long windows after doing strength and conditioning is maybe at least i'm learning not the best thing to do and when do you do you when do you train jujitsu do you train Jiu-Jitsu first thing in the morning? Um, do you train it at lunchtime? Do you train it in the evening? Do you train Jiu-Jitsu multiple times per day? If you've got a really heavy training routine of, you know, two Jiu-Jitsu classes more day than a couple of strength and conditioning classes thrown into that as well, are you going to get enough calories? Are you going to get the nutrients into your body at the right time to get optimal recovery? Um, as opposed to, are you someone that trains Jiu-Jitsu three times a week and then does a little bit of yoga? You know, maybe then intermittent fasting is going to be more... Is going to be more appropriate to you. So it's all, um, all of these questions you need to consider. Right? I don't think a simple twelve to eight window of eating is going to work for everyone based on your tra- training routine. You don't have to do a twelve to eight window. Maybe you can do an eight in the morning till four in the afternoon window. Um, is that eight hours? Yeah, that's eight hours. You know, play play with it, but take measurements, see what's going on. Um, and I'm going to give you one example of. Uh, the same friend that I mentioned earlier, um, I'm going to mention him by name, uh, Orlando Alonzo. He's a very good friend of mine. I think he's got to mention in the in a couple of other shows actually. Um, he's got a podcast of his his own actually. It, um, I may be wrong. It's it's a really interesting show. You should go go check that out. Um, I may be wrong again. So we were you know just texting back and forth the other day, and he's dropped down to I think he's 157, 158 pounds down from I think he was pushing 170 you know recently um and he looks good you know he said he's fighting good but he's like oh I'm pissed off I haven't got my six pack back where's my six pack um so then you The point I'm leading into is that, you know, what are you losing in terms of weight? Are you losing muscle mass or are you losing fat mass? Um, And one important consideration is your protein intake. If you're trying to lose weight, you've got to make sure you're getting enough protein. Um, You know, about one to one and a half grams, maybe even two grams per kilo of body weight is a good guideline for most active people. Um, And there is, you know, research that shows that when you're trying to lose weight, increasing the amount of protein you take on can actually improve, can actually uh, not not improve, reduce how much muscle mass you lose um, during that period of trying to lose weight. So, you know, make sure you get enough protein definitely when you do intermittent fasting don't just think you can eat whatever you want but measure you know when you consider all these questions measure what's going on are you are you losing fat are you losing muscle mass how do you perform what's your performance on the mat like what's, what are your what's your recovery time like what are your strength numbers like etc etc take all those measurements and and then and test it out and see what works for you for some people it works brilliantly others it doesn't um but you don't know until you try so that is I think, yeah, that's it. that's all I've got for today. that's intermittent fasting i hope I hope you've enjoyed that. I think it's something that I'm going to need to continue continually revisit over the years as more and more research becomes available, and you know I revisit everything whenever whenever stuff comes onto the market, um so to speak uh and becomes becomes popular i think it's important to consider it it's important to consider how it works for you but it's also important to consider the research so i hope you've enjoyed that i hope you found it interesting i found it interesting looking at the research um so it's been good speaking to you guys if i haven't mentioned it already i know i have but if you didn't didn't catch it at the start head over to bjjstrength.com the lower back pain solution is now available for pre-purchase up until november 12th and if you buy it before uh, midnight november 12th midnight pacific time you can get 20 percent off the the pre pre-launch sale before it gets released the next day so get on over and there's also a free ebook with uh looking at looking at lower back pain and some solutions it's a huge problem in the general population and in athletes if you haven't got lower back pain at the moment then even looking at some of these exercises are going to be almost an insurance policy to how to protect you from lower back pain in the future. Right. Nothing is foolproof, but if you do put some of the right things into your routine, very simple exercises actually. So head over to the the, the site and get the get the pod, get, get the podcast. Head over to bjjstrength.com and get that ebook and you know download it, take a look. And then if you really want to you know, put your lower back into overdrive and really boost your performance on the mats, as some of my clients have seen with the, with these programs, then you know get onto the lower back pain solution as well. With that, great speaking to you and I'll see you soon.